Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week on Special Edition, we're going to be finding out about some things up and coming throughout the area, including one that is taking place throughout the month of September. We're going to introduce you to Interdependence Day and the Hexagon Project, which grew out of that day. Don't go away, we'll explain. We also have coming up some events that are fundraisers for some local organizations. Intercom's Nikki Stone speaks with Rick Timorantz. He's with Valley with a Heart. They have their 19th annual fundraiser coming up on September 1st. Also next weekend, Michelle Creasy is with Jeremy. Journey. And next Saturday is International Overdose Awareness Day. Jeremy's Journey will be sponsoring a candlelight vigil. Right now, I'm going to turn things over to Nikki Stone, who's going to introduce you to Rick as well as to Michelle about their upcoming events. We have Rick on hold from Valley with a Heart. How are you, Rick? I am fantastic. How about you, Nick? Uh, you're getting, oh, you must be really busy getting geared up. All these bands that are playing? Yeah, how about them? Unbe- 15 of them, two stages. That's incredible. I can't even believe how you pull that off every year after year. And it's it, it's growing. It's bigger and bigger every year, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we got a good, great group of core members. And Big John Nerdy used to play with our and Cowboy, but they kind of still to retire. <laughs> He's our in-man for getting all these bands. And they're all pro bono, and there's some really good bands. So the one thing about Valley with a Heart, now you are helping actual families in Northeast PA that are going through some tough times because of an illness, a child falls ill um, for various reasons, cancers and, 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 and things that we've never heard of before. You're, you're there to help with gas money, to get them back and forth, and medical bills. Absolutely. And, now, with some groups, you're like, oh, there's so many groups that help people. A lot of the groups have a CEO making triple figures. Who's your CEO? That would be me, and I don't make anything. <laughs> and you're not taking a dime. You're just doing this to help. Yeah, like I've said before in previous years, I said, you know, there's other organizations out there that do an awesome job, but like you said, their pie chart is a little off, whereas mm-hmm. our pie chart is all one color, and that would be 100% goes back to, you know, to, to what it's intended for. So there is no CEOs, just a bunch of, you know, people that, Love to do what they do and love to help, and and that's what, how we do it. And it's in the year 19 already, and who would have thought that? Yeah. So the way your organization works, if a family needs help, they can go to your website and apply? That is true, yeah. There is actually, uh, it's uh, valuewithaheart.org, and there's also for people that cannot make this event, and like uh, my buddy Carmen used to say, you know what, Rick, this isn't a ride, this is an event. Mm-hmm. So... With that, there is a donate button if anybody feels like they want to donate because this, again, being year 19 and probably close to $600,000, $650,000 mm-hmm. to um. 
local families, and that's it. Helping local people who need the help. Who, you know, even people have insurance. A lot of people have insurance these days. We're all forced to have insurance, but a insurance is is expensive. So when your kid gets sick, sometimes you can't keep that job. As you know, you know, as you well know. You know, I've been there. It was hard yeah. holding down a job yeah. and having a, a child who was going through seizures. It was really, really difficult, yeah. and we had to run back and forth. And even if you have a job, you're you're paying for that gas to get back and forth. That is true. We the, go through. We do go through a lot of uh, gas cards, but and you know we we're, we have a system of checks and balances, which just not we don't give cash to people. Mm-hmm. We pay their bills. We pay the, you know what I mean. Like you said, the gas cards mm-hmm. and anything that they may get behind on. As a matter of fact, but even our gas cards, we require them to bring back receipts to us because you know maybe there's mm-hmm. some out there that want to buy cigarettes or this or that or something with them gas cards. Put well, something that, else that on there, right? Yeah. That won't fly with us. So, okay, that's good to know. Yeah, um, we have this going on September and it's a bike ride too so we have to keep that in mind so the ride begins at uh, we we open at 8 uh, we do it breakfast. We have a hell of a kitchen crew. And, and we do St. Fontina's Grove in Shavetown. Correct. Okay. And uh, the kickstands are up at 11. It's only about an hour ride. It's a short ride. And then we come back because we got to fit 15 bands in. Uh, we have you know, built our own band show at one point in time. So when one band stops, you turn around and look at another. Mm-hmm. We've got... Uh, let me see here, 25 vendors, so it's not just for motorcyclists. It's just cool that you can see the kids interacting with, you know, these big, bad bikers. Yeah, well, they're the ones with the big hearts. Way cool, way cool. So that's going on September 1st, Labor Day weekend. So yep. the, make the party, bring yep. the party that you were going to have to Shaytown, St. Faustina's Grove, yep. valleywithaheart.org has all the information. We even do fireworks by Sky Shooters, so make sure they make that event because it's an awesome, it's an awesome show. Now that that is my daughter's birthday, so we're going to try to make it. Okay, you better. I'm hoping. I'll I'm even hoping. pay your way in. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to because it's a good cause. You got it, hon. <laughs> All right. You. Thanks for checking in, Rick. Have a great right. day. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. We have another event coming up in Berwick, August 31st. It's a candlelight vigil uh, for Jeremy's Journey. They are a brand new group, pretty much. But we'll tell you all about that coming up with Michelle Creasy from the Berwick area. Uh, Michelle is on the phone with me today, the second annual candlelight vigil. It's happening in Berwick. Uh, it's Overdose Awareness Day, August 31st. It is International Overdose Awareness Day. Okay. So it is. it has grown into a global event. Um, last year, there were close to 500 events that went on around the world in 38 different countries. So we are so proud to be a part of that um, global global event. Now, you, you just recently got Jeremy's Journey together uh, as yes, a group, a nonprofit organization. We're, we're not formally nonprofit yet. However, that hasn't stopped us from reaching out, um, trying to offer support, and to really to do what we want to essentially do as a nonprofit. I can just tell you a little bit about how Jeremy's journey was born. Upon the, the loss of our son, my stepson, Jeremy Creasy, uh, June 8th of 2018. And almost immediately, we as a family decided you know, we wanted to, to do more to help others in the same situation that we were in. And um, we weren't going to stay silent. We weren't going to let that shame and stigma affect us as a family. And um, we want to help others. But it's, it's different. It's different. When you put faces on this and these are, are real people with mm-hmm. with real problems that aren't the people that you look at. And I shouldn't say we, we never should look down on anybody. But, right, right. But it, it's happening to everyday people, hardworking people and their yeah. families. 
it is. And, and part of that, that part of the problem is the shame and stigma that surrounds addiction um, as a whole. You know, we I'm going to quote um, Chris Heron. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He was a basketball player that was um, came into addiction and he lost his career over it. But he goes to high schools now and speaks and he says to, you know, a group of students, if I asked you to show me a picture of what you think someone in active addiction looks like, you would all bring me, 95% of you would bring me a picture of someone who is in the end stages of their life due to their addiction. You know, they don't think it, it's the, the kid next to them, um, you know, their mm -hmm. best friend. Um, and, and it's all around us. Yeah, it is, it's, and it's sad because sometimes mm -hmm. you don't even see it happening to people. No, they can so hide it until it's too late. Yeah, you're, you know, you're absolutely correct. There are those that it's so, it, it's very obvious with, mm -hmm. but there are those that just hide it and they hide it well. Mm -hmm. you know, I applaud the Creasy family for coming out and saying, hey, we're here to talk to you because we didn't know what to do when it happened to us. That's correct. Um, I, you know, there were resources available, but I think part of that, not reaching out, you, you, you're not aware and you are afraid of the shame and stigma that surround mm -hmm. the situation. And um, then we want to take that away. Um, we want to help families and give people um, went through mm -hmm. people somebody to talk to. So, so the candlelight vigil is happening. You give us all the details. Yes, it, it will um, happen on August thirty first um, at St. Charles Park, which is actually at the corner of Front and Market Street in Berwick. It's on the Berwick side of the Nescapec Bridge. And we have several speakers lined up. Um, including those who have lost loved ones due to overdose, family members who love loved ones are battling addiction, those in recovering and uh, more. Um, we've also encouraged um, people to bring photos of their loved ones lost to overdose um, to be included on a memorial board. Even if someone cannot attend their event, we would, we would love to have a picture. Um, we'd be honored to have their picture on the memorial board. And pictures could be emailed to us um, at jeremysjourney27 at gmail.com. Love to include that. jeremysjourney27 at gmail.com. That's correct. Okay. Um, we will have information resources available related to substance abuse, and then the event will conclude with a candlelighting ceremony um, in memory of all lives lost as a result. The, any other way they can get information on Jeremy's journey and what you're doing? Um, I, yeah, you can always check us out on Facebook, Jeremy's Journey. Michelle can help you and her family can help you with Jeremy's Journey. Uh, you can give me a call at the station and we'll get you in touch with, with her. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate Thank your you time so today. Thanks again to Nikki Stone for introducing us to Rick Tamarantz, the Valley with the Heart's 19th fundraiser that's happening on September 1st at St. Faustina's Grove in the Shaytown section of Nanticoke, and also Michelle Creasy for telling us about the upcoming candlelight vigil for the International Overdose Awareness Day. And if you would like to find out more, you can find both of those groups on Facebook. Now, don't go away. Coming up next, we're going to tell you about Interdependence Day coming in September and how something called the Hexagon Project grew out of that on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Coming up in September, it's Interdependence.
Independence Day. They will be holding a panel discussion at the University of Scranton Thursday, September 12th in the Rose Room from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. This year's event will be a talk on interdependence and the environment, climate change, what can we do? It's sponsored by the Greater Scranton Interdependence Committee and the United Way of Lackawanna and Wayne Counties. What exactly is Interdependence Day? We're going to find out. We've invited Beth Burkhauser and Lisa Temples. They're involved in Interdependence Day, and not only that, but a project that grew out of Interdependence Day called the Hexagon Project. So let's find out exactly what is Interdependence Day. And for that, we'll turn to Beth Burkhauser. Okay, Interdependence Day is a day that was proclaimed by... Dr. Benjamin Barber, uh, a uh, very noted professor uh, of uh, social issues, um, and he proclaimed uh, Interdependence Day as the day after 9-11, seeing the world in a different way, shifting our view of how we should see the world uh, as we are all connected in some way. So the word interdependence um, he created it so that we could see, he formed a network of citizens, citizens without borders, uh, including artists and educators, students, politicians, business people, civic and religious leaders, and uh, as well as our mayors and uh, people who do lead the people, um, and recognize the interdependent nature of our world an advocate for new forms of constructive civil interdependence to solve problems that cross our borders. So the day after 9-11, he began in about uh, 2003, and our local civic leader, Sandra Myers, took up the banner of this. Uh, She helped him edit uh, a handbook called the Interdependence Handbook at about that time and uh, published it. And then the word spread throughout the country and the world, and Independence Day has been celebrated since then on September 12th, and we continue to do that in the city of Scranton and our northeastern Pennsylvania region, Uh, and we will be celebrating Independence Day uh, this year on September 12th. So it almost sounds like it has some kind of a basis then, or the, the roots of it, really were in northeast Pennsylvania, besides with with Sandra working with this gentleman, and who knew? Who knew? Right, right. right. Who knew? He he was very instrumental. He's written some very uh, prescient books about the issues that we face today uh, with uh, divisions uh, uh, in the world, Um, and... uh, uh, Sandra has been working diligently. She she actually probably has spent um, a, the the a concentration of her life uh, putting into practice the themes and the uh, the theories of interdependence. One of the things that she does, in addition to uh, organizing Interdependence Day every year, is to uh, conduct the Shemel Forum at the University of Scranton. And that, again, uh, is a forum of intellectuals, uh, 
uh, interesting individuals, both from the University of Scranton, from our community, and across the world, to give lectures and, and workshops uh, for our people here uh, that enlighten us about many, many different issues. They, they, it could cross uh, from the arts to politics to history. Uh, uh, her husband, uh, uh, Maury Myers, uh, has given lectures also about uh, his experience in the, in the Deep South in the, in the 60s. Uh, he was a freedom rider. So we, we hear a lot of many, many interesting things that connect us to issues that are in existence today and give us historic background. So wow. The interdependence movement is an important issue, and uh, it uh, stays alive here in northeastern Pennsylvania. And I think it's, it's fascinating how things cross over. So let's talk to uh, Lisa a little bit because Lisa – brings to Interdependence Day some group that I might not think of, as Beth was telling us about all of the different groups. You're actually dealing with students that you're going to be bringing to Interdependence Day. And as an art teacher, how do you, how do you explain that to the kids? Well, it's, it's been a challenge each year to um, explain to the kids that we're not just here to create art just because it's pretty or we like to draw this or paint this. We have to put some meaning behind our art. On, you know, on occasion, I like to mix it up. Um, so I do. I talk about the different topics like human rights and diversity, environment. Each grade uh, level, I focus something different. So the younger kids, the environment, they understand that um, more. And the older students will talk about diversity and some heavier issues. Um, but I let them, usually I let them choose, you know, from the list of different ideas what, what speaks to them the most. Sometimes we do a collaborative piece, um, like I have here, and sometimes we do individual pieces. And we have to tell our, our listeners that this is, it's like a quilt? It's a quilt, yes. What I did was um, I teach art. I also teach family consumer science, so we do sewing. I kind of merged both, you know, passions together, and um, we created this uh, this quilt. So I had students decide if they wanted to work individually or with a partner. One student worked individually. I know there was two students that worked on this one particularly. Um, and then they created a piece of art on a piece of fabric and we put it all together. So it just sort of speaks to what mattered to the students this year at this time. And we have everything from a peace sign mm -hmm to flowers, mm -hmm. to yin and yang, <laughs> to um, oh, pride, pride, right? um, and animals, know, animals, yeah. uh, the environment, yes, uh, just unity in general, like, and, and they're all hexagon shapes, okay, and they all come together, they all connect together. Um, yeah, it's who, just... But who knew this started with its roots so much in Scranton? <laughs> and, and the, it's the, something to be proud of, right? It certainly <laughs> is, because when you, when you think about something like this, again, as Lisa said, the students come into an art class and they say, I want to make something pretty so I can take it home, so I can put it on display. But Beth, now you gave them an opportunity mm -hmm. to do something and... They've expanded their world. Yes, yes. I, I think it's very important that uh, 
educators and artists are people who do respond to the environment. They respond to the world as it is. And we have to be able to um, show our students that that form of art, not just a beautiful arrangement of flowers (laughs) or what have you, but, you know, respond to the world. And this is one of the issues in education in general. Education has to become relevant and meaningful for our, our students. So, um, this hexagon project, which is what it's called, uh, is international. Uh, it uses a hexagon as a metaphor for how we're interconnected because they are tessellations which infinitely connect, interconnect. And so uh, the, the project is motivational for many students because they end up seeing themselves as part of a larger whole. And that's what the whole concept of interdependence is about. And they also get to think about issues that are relevant to them. Okay, what in our classroom is relevant to you? And Lisa has, you know, many different, uh, a variety. No two are the same. And it's not Uh, like you tell them, we're going to focus on this or we're going to focus on that. You give them a whole whole scope of different things. Now, Mm I want to talk about the fact that you do have, because a lot of people might be hearing this for the first time and they're saying, I'd like to find out more about this. I'm really interested. There's Mm -hmm. going to be a panel discussion that's going to be uh, coming up on the 12th of September. Exactly. Uh, now, the interdependence movement is is somewhat separate from the Hexagon Project, but the, the themes all run together. And uh, Sondermeyer's Interdependence Day uh, has a theme this year. There have been other themes. Um, for instance, last year was about uh, immigrants and refugees. This year, uh, the theme is climate change. And what can we do about it? And so, everything that's so topical. Uh, yeah. 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 And so uh, on the 12th at the University of Scranton in the Rose Room, um, uh, fifth floor Brennan Hall, uh, will be a panel discussion. And the panel will uh, include uh, university professors, a student from the university, a high school student, and a concerned citizen. So we have a a nice variety of voices here. And uh, there will be uh, others in the audience who are welcome to, it's open to the public, uh, basically. Uh, If anyone is interested, uh, they can uh, call uh, the university and just say, I'm interested in coming and uh, show up uh, by 5.30 on Thursday, September 12th. Uh, you can call uh, Linda Walsh at 570-941-7520, and um, you can make a reservation. Or, yeah, and I believe it's online, too, if you go to the University of Scranton. Oh, I'm sure it uh, must be there. And you uh, also have a display. Now, this is... Yes. So the Hexion Project you, uh, has a, uh, a, a video presentation about our 2019 uh, project that will be projected uh, as people enter uh, the the area in the Rose Room, and we it it uh, it's usually quite interesting to see a slide presentation of all of the entries from across the world. Actually, we're as I said, we're international, so there'll be all of those displayed uh, on the twelfth, in addition to our uh, annual exhibit, which is opening. Uh, 
So, so the Hexagon Project has annually uh, celebrates Interdependence Month. Uh, we've extended it to the whole month for the visual arts, and it opens on this first uh, in first Friday, September sixth, at the uh, Marketplace Mall at downtown Scranton. Uh, we will be uh, using, uh, the venue will be Stories Literacy Center, which is a very interesting place to see on the second floor between Boscov's and uh, Library Express. So you can find us fairly easily. We'll be opening on uh, the evening. Um, we'll open uh, about uh, from 6 to 9 on uh, first Friday, the 6th. We will have entertainment and uh uh, Mark Woodyett and Jacob Cole, uh, a great duo, inspiring uh, uh, artists will be playing. We'll have some community involvement with a mural that uh, people can become involved with creating. And uh, we'll have our display of hexagons. Also, um, we'll have visuals projected, which I think will be an exciting environment. So we'll have actual work, projected work, uh, some interviews, uh, things for people to look at throughout that space. And it's always an exciting time. We invite, it's open to the public, and free. it's uh, just a, a great evening. It's free admission? It's yes. free and open to the public, yes. Okay. And that, and will the will the display stay there throughout the The display, month? yes. Okay. Uh, we will be up uh, during the month, uh, on, in particular, certain hours, not all of the time, because... Again, we're um, a nonprofit, all volunteers. Many of us are retired art educators, librarians, people like that, and we uh, need to staff it. So it's it will be open more in the afternoons during the week, later afternoons during the week. And what every is that day. Hexagon Project? That's the Hexagon Project. Now we have a website. Uh, yes, www.hexagonproject.org. and uh, all of the information sh- will be there. And we also have a Facebook page which is called the Interdependence Hexagon Project. But I think you'll be able to find us and we'll have our Evite up there. And uh, so everyone is invited and it's, uh, uh, we do have collaborative things going on that you can get your hands on something. And then you can also enjoy seeing the work uh, like the Riverside students. Uh, we have Scranton School District, we have the Abington Heights School District, Blue Ridge, uh, we have quite a few of our Northeastern Pennsylvania schools always invited, and uh, and they participate. We hope some of the students will come out for it also. And maybe even come out for the discussion on the and, 12th. Yes, and we and for the 12th, it, it really would be wonderful if, if teachers come, uh, bring some students to listen to the panel discussion. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's always very, very stimulating to... Uh, hear what people have to say from different age groupings and uh, segments of our our population. And we'll also have featuring the Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine a cappella singers that evening. So that would be fun also. And uh, our MC is Gary Drapek, and he's the president and CEO of United Way of Lackawanna and Wayne Counties. And he's he's a great guy uh, to listen to. He, he puts the whole program together, and he can. <laughs> he knows exactly what this is all about. Yeah. Thanks 
to our guests, Beth Burkhauser, the director of the nonprofit Hexagon Project, and Lisa Temples, a teacher from Riverside Junior Senior High School and Little Hands Big Art in Scranton. And we'd like to thank them for joining us to give us the information about the upcoming Interdependence Day and also remind you if you would like some more information, you can go to their websites interdependencedaynepa.org or hexagonproject.org. They'll have all the details of everything that Beth and Lisa talked about here today, the upcoming events. And if you would like to learn more about the Hexagon Project in a future episode of Special Edition, we'll have Beth and Lisa back with us to talk more about that and how you can get involved. Now don't go away. There's still more Special Edition yet to come. a child in the foster care system. It starts with your heart. That tug you feel on yours when you hear that children are waiting for a stable, loving voice to speak up for their best interests. And then it becomes your time. What started out as a feeling that maybe you could make a difference becomes the difference. Change a child's story. There is a child waiting for a volunteer like you. Learn how you can help at LackawannaCountyCasa.org. Welcome back to Special Edition. Have you ever wondered what it might be like to be a Pennsylvania State Police Trooper? Well, maybe not be one, but at least get to see what goes on behind the scenes a little bit? You have an opportunity. Pennsylvania State Police Trooper Anthony Petrosky is joining us. He's from Troop in Hazleton. Trooper Petrosky is a community services officer and public information officer, and he has details about how you can take part in an upcoming Citizens Police Academy. Now, it's not just happening at his station, it's happening at other stations as well. He'll give you the details, and we'll also find out where else you can sign up. It's certainly an interesting idea to be able to see what someone else does for a living. And Trooper Petrosky, when it comes to law enforcement, you folks give us folks the opportunity to walk a mile in your shoes Yes, but safely. Yes. So see, with law enforcement, you know, you really can't get in one of our patrol vehicles and go out and go on calls with us because, number one, it's dangerous. Number two, you don't have the training. So Pennsylvania State Police has a program called the Citizens Police Academy. And what that is is it's a way for citizens to learn more about the Pennsylvania State Police in a classroom safe environment. So do you really get to see what happens? You get a good insight. Again, going out in a vehicle, you can't get that experience unless you go through our state police academy and become a state trooper. But the Citizens Police Academy really gives you all the moving parts within the Pennsylvania State Police. It's it's only one day within those eight weeks for two and a half hours. It's every Tuesday, 6 to 8.30 p.m. at Penn State Hazleton, and it starts October 1st, and it runs through November 19th. And each week, there's two different presenters. 
and they come in and they talk about their job within the state police, what they do. Uh, sometimes there's case demonstrations from an actual case that was investigated. Um, equipment's brought in, and people, it's a, it's a great classroom setting for people to ask questions, um, really get interaction within state police and within different entities within the state police, not just a patrol trooper. We bring in criminal investigators, forensic services members, uh, computer crimes members. We bring in um, patrol vehicle. We bring in equipment. Uh, who else did we bring in? We brought in, last year we had a, a criminal investigator who investigated cold cases for over 20 years. Ooh. He presented a case study. It was mind-blowing. It was better than a TV show. Wow. Yeah, and this is the place for it. And people can ask questions. And we bring in our Heritage Affairs Section Supervisor. We, different What's entities that? within the state police. I've never even heard of that Basically, one. he goes around the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and he handles civil tensions within the communities. A lot of people don't even know we have that within the state police. Again, this is the way we could give back to our, to our our community. Now, again, when we talk about a citizens police academy, yes, the first thing that my mind goes to is Camp Kadesh. Right now, that's a little bit different. I'm assuming. Yes, most people know about Camp Kadesh. Right. And the big difference here is there's no running, there's no physical exertion. This Ooh. is just for anybody <laughs> to learn, and you have to be 18 years or older to apply. And again, this is learning. And and if there's somebody who's interested in law enforcement specifically the Pennsylvania State Police, this would be great for them. By the way, it's free. Oh. Uh, 100% free. Uh, the, the things that people learn, the questions you get to ask, uh, I mean, it's just, there's not so many programs like this. When you're talking about setting something like this up, and I am assuming that, again, there must be some things in some areas that you can't because of uh, because of legal and one of the things you mentioned was going in the patrol car correct now now what we do is we bring a patrol car up we have two uh, patrol members that come up one night and talk about their job and then they actually show off the patrol vehicle in the parking lot uh, we, we let the uh, the people who apply to this can we let them use a radar gun in the parking lot um, so they get to actually look at all the equipment sit in the car check it out I mean we have computers in the car we have printers there's a lot in in the vehicle so people yeah. get to sit in it and see it. the only thing is we can't drive them around take them on patrol you're not going to get that experience it's it's too dangerous but again you want to learn about law enforcement you want to learn about the state police you're thinking about going into law enforcement this is a great opportunity when you're also talking now, you know, you're mentioning the fact of people going into it, but what about the average citizen who might say, well, I see you folks on the road, I see you on patrol, and I don't know whether I want to get that close to you people or not. <laughs> you know what? That's who we want. I mean, we want anybody, we want people who like law enforcement, we have people who are on the fence with law enforcement. Maybe this will sway your decision. You know, again... People see us on the side of the road all the time, writing tickets, investigating crashes, directing traffic, things like that. But not everybody gets to sit down with us mm -hmm. and learn about us and ask questions and interact with us. And that's what this is for. This is that safe setting. This is that opportunity for us to invite the community to sign up for this course. It's two and a half hours for eight Tuesdays, 20 hours total. Um, and they get to learn a lot. And again, you have questions, you want to talk about things. This is the great, great setting for that. What about getting involved in this now? Again, the average public is going to be still close to the police car, right. close to the officers. Are yes. there things that you have to do 
before you have before you would get involved? Yes. Yeah, so you would have to apply, and, and the application for this Citizens Police Academy, which is Troop N, um, which covers Lower Luzerne County, Columbia, Monroe, and Carbon Counties. Every, the application is at every state police station. So it's at Hazelton, Bloomsburg, Lee Heighton, Stroudsburg, and Fern Ridge. Or they could email me, and I could send an electronic application. You just have to fill that out, email it back to me, and we do a background investigation. Um, once that clears up, then you'll be accepted into the academy, and, and it's free. Um, you do get a certificate for completing this, which would be great on a resume, um, you know, anything like that. Um, and, and that's basically it. It's a very simple process, um, but again, we we have to limit it to forty people so we can have that 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 close setting. You know, we can't take any more than that. Um, and Penn State Hazelton campus has been great to us. We have a great classroom for this, um, and the facilities are great. And you mentioned um, a background check. Yes. Now, is that similar to what you have to go through with fingerprints? No, or? nothing like that. Um, we do a criminal background investigation. That's all. So it's not too entailed. Um, but again, this is a state police function. Uh, you know, we do have our name behind this, so we have to make sure we're getting the right people. I guess some of the questions that would come to mind may be a little bit confrontational. That could happen. How do you handle that? You, you know what? This is how you do it. You, you know, rather than somebody, you know, talking to the wrong people about issues they may have with law enforcement, talk to law enforcement directly. We're not going to shy away from tough questions. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the presenters that comes up for our academy is an academy instructor from the Northeast Training Center. And what the instructor talks about for the one class is our use of force. So he'll give out scenarios. Uh, he actually does it. He last, last year he did a taser deployment um, on, on, a, on a mannequin, not on a oh. real student. There's none of that. Um, <laughs> but to show how it works and the effectiveness of the tools that we carry. Um, and, and he gave out some, some scenarios. And he asked some of the students, what would you do in this situation? And then he would explain our use of force and why we do certain things. So some people may be out there thinking, well, why do they have to use a taser? Why do they have to use pepper spray? We're going to clear that up in this academy. Wow. Yeah, it's very very informative. Yeah, yes. I, I, I was going to say, because a lot of times, and especially one of the first things that you talked about was we see state police and local police departments on the side of the road giving tickets so someone comes to the class and says well you know i think you guys have a quota that you have to meet by the end of the month and we do get that Uh, we we definitely get that and that's fine because that's where we want to clear it up by the way we do not have a quota but again (laughs) you know we want to answer all these questions And, and this is the third year that we'll be running the citizens police academy um before that, before two years ago, in Troop N, the Citizens Police Academy wasn't done in like 15 years. Oh. It's a department program, but it depends on the troop community services officers to run that. So my partner, Trooper Peters, and I, we thought, you know what, let's bring that back to our troop. Um, past two years, it's been great. Yeah. So we want to keep moving forward with it. Uh, you know, we hope we get a lot of people that sign up for it. Again, it's free. Um, it's only two and a half hours for eight Tuesday. And I promise you, it'll be great. Last year, Luzerne County District Attorney Stephanie Salvantis came up. She spoke on her aspect of her job. So, again, you know, it kind of entails the whole criminal justice system. We had our fire marshal come up last year, a forensic services member. Um, so, you know, some people are interested in certain things, but you're going to be well-rounded when you leave this. I was going to say, do you take suggestions? Absolutely we do. Yeah, and one of the suggestions last year from a group of females in our class was – 
can you bring a female trooper up next year? And I thought that was great. We were going to this past year. She ended up going on a call the night she was going to come over, so we had to bring another trooper over. Um, but I, we're going to use that this year. We're going to make sure a female trooper comes over um, because that's important. We have many female troopers now in the Pennsylvania State Police, and we want to showcase that. That's important. Oh, it's they do very, the same job as every other trooper. Exactly. It's it's very important. And one of the things, too, when, when you were talking about the use of force, females, force, um, the whole, I mean, the culture of the world is changing Correct. so much yes. that that must also play into your academy. Sure. It, it absolutely does. And when you talk about use of force, you have to look at the officer. So if somebody is a smaller trooper and they're going up against either a group of people or somebody that's larger, they have to go to their tool belt. And that's what this is that we wear. Um, these are tools that help us. And we can help other people with them. And that's why our academy instructor comes up and he explains certain things. And it's really eye-opening to people. I bet. And when you're also talking about um, the use of force, do you give the class the opportunity to get arrested? Because, we, again, I think that's right. that's one of the other things that, that most people think law enforcement. Sure. Cuffed and taken Correct. away. We, we definitely demonstrate everything that's on our belt. I mean, we don't demonstrate the pepper spray. That would just be cruel. <laughs> um, but, again, last year uh, the instructor deployed the taser um, on a target, which was really cool for people to see. And then he explained everything. This is what the taser does. After it's deployed, this is what happens. This is how the trooper uses it. Um, and, you know, we, we could definitely demonstrate the handcuffs for people. That's no problem. I guarantee they're not going to like them. Mm. Uh, it's definitely not a good feeling. <laughs> it's that claustrophobia right. thing. <laughs> right. And the other thing that I also think of, and I know that this has been in the news locally, and you're from the Hazleton Barracks. Yes. So... This whole idea of live PD, right? Uh, does that make your job harder, easier? Uh, I mean, well, I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, with no, that. not on the spot at all. The thing about that is, you know, that would be done in Hazelton City with our police department, not us. Um, but we obviously assist them whenever they need it. You know, the job comes first, so you kind of don't let any of the other distractions get in your way. Um, you know, you just have to be aware of your surroundings. That's all. I mean, if our troopers were to go over and assist them and they had a TV crew there, we would still do our job. That's right. it. Um, you, you know, first just, and foremost. I'm just also thinking of just the whole idea of a lot of the TV shows and right. the movies and things like that. Right. And then you have all these citizens coming in who say, well, I just saw this movie, so... It, right. You know, it can kind of make things a little mixed up. You know, it's a good thing that there's these positive shows about police officers and things like that. And it shows the reality of the jobs. Um, but, you know, that's something that we can discuss. You, you know, that's great because there's a huge difference between TV and reality. I mean, there's a huge difference. And, you know, we like to explain that. Um, there's no doubt about that. We like to explain that. So, yeah, I mean, we, we could talk about all these different kind of issues. No problem at all. Wow, I'm fascinated. It's I a great program. It really is. I always wanted to do that, so yeah. we'll have to see about this and, year. And, and I just have to say, this does not certify you in any law enforcement capacity at all. Again, this is for, it's called the Citizens Police Academy. It's for residents of the four counties that Troop N covers. Um, 
you leave with a certificate, but you are not a certified police officer. <laughs> yeah, so Just need to clear that. We don't up. get yeah. a red light. No, we don't you get can't to pull go pulling people over. over. Oh, darn. But you'll know what happens when a trooper does pull somebody over, though. You're going to learn all this. Yes. <laughs> and and I think probably the biggest thing is when you're walking in someone else's shoes, you learn to respect what they do, right? And why they do what they do. Absolutely, and I, it goes both ways. So this is a chance for us to hear about the citizens that we serve every day. So we take that. We give a critique at the end of the course. And we ask, hey, you have any issues you want to bring up, please do. Again, we want to learn from them. How can we change? There's something we could do. Is there something that's going on in their neighborhood that they just never wanted to say anything? But now here's their opportunity. We're all ears. All right. Trooper Petrosky, give it up. Tell us where, when, and how we get in touch with you. Very simple. You could email me at anpetroski at pa.gov, and I'll send an electronic application or you could go to the State Police Hazleton Barracks, Fernridge, Lee Heighton, Stroudsburg, or Bloomsburg Barracks and pick up an application, send it in to me, email it in, and uh, it's a really quick process. Facebook page, Twitter page, all Twitter. That. You can follow Twitter. me on Twitter at PSP Troop and PIO. I have it posted on there also. Anybody has any questions, call the Hazleton Barracks and ask for me. I'll gladly explain this process to anybody. Thanks again to Trooper Petrosky from Troop in Hazelton about their Citizens Police Academy. Now, Troop P. Wyoming will be holding their 20th annual Citizens Police Academy. Theirs will begin on Wednesday, September 11th and be held every Wednesday from 5.30 to 7.30 at the Training Center in Fort. Troop P. covers areas in Bradford, Sullivan, Wyoming counties, and Luzerne counties except for Hazleton and the surrounding areas covered by Troop In. If you would like to find out more about the upcoming annual Citizens Police Academy of Troop P. Wyoming, you can get in touch with Trooper Deanna Pekansky at 570-560-1366. Just in case you're looking for something to do this weekend, Intercom's Doc and Jesse have the latest on an air show that's coming to Pocono Raceway. With us this morning, Ben May, who is the president of Pocono Raceway. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I love it. We got a lot of stuff about to happen. You just built that playground in the infield, correct? We did. 5,000 square foot playground in our infield, which uh, is open every day. So anybody in the area who's looking for something to do with their kids, kill some time, come to the racetrack, go to our main gate, tell them you're there to go play on the playground. I heard you even got stuff in there for kids with special needs if uh, they can't be around loud noises and we, things like we that. We do, yeah. It's an inclusive playground, so um, that's the most important part for us is that kids of all abilities can play side by side so it's kind of a neat thing going to our double header next year june 26th through the 28th we'll have both of our nascar weekends combined into one the truck series in the morning on saturday followed by the cup series and then we'll have the xfinity series sunday morning followed by the cup series if you like camping if you like hanging out at the racetrack you like racing this is uh this is a dream and then you guys are doing an air show this year. it is our inaugural the great pocono raceway air show so we have 12 acts we have a group called tora 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 that kind of does a reenactment type deal. 
But uh, the cool thing about that is they're pyro, so they have a 2,000-foot wall of flame. Wow. Um, so they're just going to blow up the infield. We're almost reimagining the air show experience where if you've everybody's ever been, right, you stand on the tarmac, you look straight up, it's 95 degrees, and you're yeah. standing there on the asphalt. So we'll use our facilities as they were built. So you'll have a reserved seat in our grandstand, so almost a panoramic view. All the action will take place in the middle of the racetrack. Some planes are going to take off from the racetrack, oh, land amazing. on the racetrack. We have permanent restrooms. Again, the whole, the whole the place is built for entertainment. Show is the 24th and 25th. Same show both days. Tickets 15 bucks. So again, real solid value. Awesome. Something we take a lot of pride in. And tickets on the website as well? Tickets on the website. Right. So PoconoAirShow.com. You can also find it at PoconoRaceway.com. Ben, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. And that's not all that's happening this weekend. Don't forget the Electric City Classic is in downtown Scranton. The course is from start to finish on Wyoming Avenue in Scranton. And then on Sunday, there's going to be a Electric City Classic hill climb. Now that is taking place on Olive Street between Prescott and Taylor Avenue. Registration will be opening up at 9 and you, that's right, you can even take part in this one. Saturday's events, more for the professionals, but for fun and, of course, for the kids as well. That's where they want to see you starting at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. It's the inaugural Electric City Classic. Nothing like this has happened in Scranton before. And Intercom Communications, very pleased to be a media sponsor bringing the event to Northeast Pennsylvania. Thanks for joining us on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories, a production of Intercom Communications. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.